Hey, we rally Merry Christmas. Let's stand together. Let's glorify and worship our Jesus this morning. Sing glory to his name. He's worthy of it. Come on.
still pretty good outside. So uh, thank you for being here. If you're a guest, we welcome you and we appreciate you uh, spending some time with us today. If you would, give us a little bit of information about yourself so we can help you in your search uh, for your, your church family. And you can do that in a couple ways. You can text a guest to that number up on there on the screen, or you can reach into the seat back in front of you and there's a guest card uh, where you can fill that out, drop it in the uh, connections box in the foyer on your way out, pick up a gift bag. We have a gift for you. Uh, and then somebody from the church family will reach out to you uh, and, and help you get connected. Uh, and now, and we talk about uh, for our tithes and offerings and ways to give. There are three ways to give that we can be obedient and give back to the Lord what he has so richly blessed us with. And so uh, there are three ways to do that. You can follow up there on the screen uh, because we want to make sure uh, that we give back to the Lord our first fruits and thank him for his blessings. You can uh, text give to that number. There's a give box right there on your way out or you can set up your online account. Okay, some announcements. Next Sunday, Christmas Day, special service, it'll be online only. So there will be no live in-person service next Sunday. It'll be 945 uh, next Sunday morning. It's a special online service. We want to allow our, our serve team and our service members, uh, all of our family, to spend time with their families on Christmas Day. So online service, 945. You can go to the YouTube feed or the Facebook Live. 945, and that'll be the service uh, for next Sunday. Then the following week, January 1st, of 2023, we'll be back to normal times, and the service is going to be kind of different. You, we get to build the sermon. It's kind of like build a bear, but not. And what I mean by that is you can send in your question. You got a question, send it into the church office, either via text or an email, and we get to build the service. So if you have a question about leadership, if you have a question about life, if you have a question about what does the Bible say, if you have, if you have a question for Cody. Now let's think this through, guys. Church can go as long as we want it or it can go as short as we want it, depending on how many questions you send in. But what a chance, it's a chance where Brother Ben will be on stage with Cody and they will interact and answer, uh, Cody will answer any questions that we have for him. So it's kind of neat, it's kind of different, uh, but it's build a sermon, ask Cody some questions. You can email them or uh, text in your uh, questions to the church office. And then finally, on January the 8th, the following week, uh, in three weeks, we'll be back to uh, Group Link. All of our topical group hosts will be in the lobby, and it's a chance for us to get connected again with the group. So we'll have Group Link out there uh, in the lobby on January the 8th. Philippians 3.16 says, Only let us live up to what we have already attained. You can stop and think about it. Let us live up to what we have already attained. Well, what have we already attained through the Spirit? Grace and salvation. But on top of that, power, humility, wisdom, discernment, gr uh, grace, love, compassion. We need to live up to that because we've already attained it. The Lord has already provided that for us. We just have to put it into practice and live up to it. Philippians 4.4 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice with an exclamation point because Christ is come Christ has redeemed us. Thank you very much. Father God, I just thank you for this opportunity, and I thank you for your, your, your son. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for salvation. You've allowed me to have more than I could ever, ever deserve, and you continue to provide. I celebrate today. I celebrate your coming. I celebrate what you have already given to us and what you've already allowed us to have. For it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and continue to worship.
Let's worship our Emmanuel, God with us.
I just want you to think through uh, your Christmas plans, where you're going, you know, if you're traveling, if people are traveling, you, uh, and what we just sang, I want you to pray over those circumstances. I will make room for you. Because we have a lot of traditions, we have a lot of things that we want to accomplish, and they're all wonderful, but they can get so hectic that we look up and oh it's really it's been about travel and family and presence not about Jesus so if you're going to somebody's house pray Lord you know, show me show me the moments and the places where I can spend a few minutes with you in my Bible study my prayer time God as we sit around with family you know, where will be the moment that we you know, read the Christmas story and acknowledge hey this is this is a sacred moment in the history of the world, and that's why we're gathered here. God, what are those moments? And show us, Holy Spirit, how we can make room for you in those details. Some of us are traveling, and we are, we're going to be around some family members that don't know Christ. God, how can we be a good witness? Jesus, that's our prayer that we will uh, look at our circumstances, look at our plans, look at our agenda, and we will open up seasons and places and pockets for you, Jesus. That we would be a, a people who doesn't um, add you to our Christmas, God, but that we would be a people who puts you in the middle of our lives. Our lives revolve around you and who you are, Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated today. Welcome to River Valley. Merry Christmas. I am so thankful uh, you guys are here. A couple of cool things are happening today. Uh, number one, uh, I want to introduce you to Jason and Mandy and True Wyatt. You guys stand up. This is our new, Jason is our new student pastor. And they moved uh, last week and were able to go to Classic Christmas, able to go to the parade. Last night we had a River Valley Christmas party. I was like, man, he's getting like the best introduction in the world. And then this morning I saw him walking somewhere with a mop and I was like, that's better. There, there we go. I just, that's, that's ministry. So listen, it's a big deal uh, to find a staff member because uh, it's not just the ability to understand the gospel and to present that. It's culture. 
It's how they fit. It's gifting and talent. There's so much to go through. And uh, we uh, have extensively done that and really and truly are excited about God's uh, blessing in our church and in our family uh, with the Wyatts. And so I'm so thankful to have you guys here. Uh, You're going to do a great, great job. So also, uh, I want to say thank you to you because a few weeks ago, I talked about that God will not, cannot send us more guests, more people than we can accommodate. So I encouraged you to serve. I encouraged you to be diligent and inviting in those ways. And you listened and you did it. So thank you because uh, last week for our classic Christmas services, biggest we had ever had, 1,306 people attended. Yeah! That's amazing, isn't it? Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's amazing. So many people got to, got to hear the gospel because of your, your work and your diligence. And uh, today's Christmas attendance is tomorrow's regular attendance. And so we are continuing to reach people and go places. So thank you guys uh, for that. Uh, one of the things, uh, you can be turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at the, the Christmas story. But one of the real challenges of my preaching ministry here at River Valley has been Christmas. The reason is, is there's a very limited amount of texts that actually deal with the Christmas story. And I'm 15 years in. Two or three Christmas sermons uh, for 15 years out of a very limited uh, amount of text, and I, you, you know, I'm, I, there's, there's times I want to go just watch last year, all right? I, and so, so, I, so it's been very challenging, but, but it's also been enlightening because here's what you have to do. So think of the Christmas story as you know it. You know, you've got Mary and Joseph and angels and shepherds and wise men and manger and all of this. Basically, what you have to do is you have to look at it, and then you have to step back and look at it a different way. And step back and look at it a different way. Once you, once you see and look at it through different lenses and through different perspectives and viewpoints, what's been amazing to me is that it, it never ceases to bear new fruit. It never ceases to, oh, I've never thought about that before. The Word of God is living and active, and it is inexhaustible in our ability to understand and comprehend who God is and what He is doing, even through the Christmas story. So today I want to look at it from a new vantage point, in my thinking anyway. And I want us to look at the story of Gabriel, who is going to speak to Zachariah and to Mary and tell them that they're both pregnant with John the Baptist and with Jesus. And I want us to look at it through the lens of what can we learn about the attributes of God from the encounters with these people. We can learn about God through these people. Now, Jesus Christ is the full and final revelation of God. He is the complete picture of who God is. But these people, this is pre-Jesus. They are still learning. They are still growing about who God is. So even in this, in these encounters, you can learn some things about God that are applicable for us today and for us during the Christmas season. So we're going to look at uh, Zechariah first. So Zechariah and Elizabeth will be the parents of John the Baptist. And so we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. So uh, Gabriel is talking to Zechariah. And so it says, uh, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your, li- your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. 
There will be great joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous, to make ready for the Lord a prepared people." Verse 18, Zechariah responds, and he says, How can I know this, Zechariah asked the angel, for I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and I, will, I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. So turn over probably a page to verse 26, and we're going to look at the story of the angel Gabriel and his announcement to Mary about the birth of Jesus. Verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by the statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God." I didn't tell them to put this in here, uh, but I did. I, I, I should have. I should have included my favorite Christmas verse, which is verse 37, and he says, "For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God." So I want us to look at the attributes of God. Now let's let's make sure we understand who Gabriel is uh, first. Gabriel is one of the only angels, there's only a very few of the angels that are actually named in the Bible. And so angels are ranked like an army would be. So you have generals all the way to privates, and uh, angels are ranked. We don't know what Gabriel's rank is, but it's got to be very, very high because of the jobs that we see him doing. Only one angel in the Bible is called an archangel. That's Michael. Now, most people will say Gabriel's an archangel just because of the status of what he does, but he's not actually called that within the Bible. We don't know. But we do know that his primary duties, because we see him three times, and all three times he's delivering a message in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, and then twice here, once to Zechariah, once to Mary, deliver a message. So if the angel Gabriel ever shows up to deliver a message to you, grab a pen and paper. It's really important. All right, you don't want to hear like, he said something, I should have wrote it down. You want to write this down. It's a, and so he is a messenger angel to God. And, and I want us to think and understand how God uses that in our lives. And we, we read in the verse about Mary is that he was sent, he was sent specifically to her in this town. God wants to speak. God wants to speak to us. He wants to be heard. He wants to be known. He's not aloof. He's not far off. He's not trying to be hidden. He wants to be revealed and known and speak to us. And his communication way is so, so, so important. Uh, 
a recent story that I came across. Let me show you a picture that I think is beautiful. This is a picture by Samuel Morris. It hangs in the Louvre uh, in Paris. And so if you were to ask me, that's a good painting. I mean, you know, compared to what I could do, that's, a, that's an A right there. And so um, Morris presented uh, this and other paintings to, the, uh, to a committee in 1840 because he wanted to paint the Capitol Dome, the rotunda on the inside of the dome. There was a competition. And they looked at this painting and others like it and people who understand art, and they said, you're not good enough. You don't have enough talent. You'll never make it as an artist. Now, most of us were like, that is great, but he wasn't good enough. He, he didn't make it. And so you can imagine his whole life, he had prepared to be a professional painter. And when he had what could have possibly been the biggest commission of his career, this, this rotunda in this long-standing building that you can still go see today, he wasn't going to be the one that got to paint it. So on the way home from France, he was dejected. He was demoralized. He didn't know what he was going to do with his life. But he met a geologist from Harvard, and they got to talking about what men always talk about, which is electricity. They were fascinated by electricity. I, I mean, in fact, uh, electricity was so new at that point in the sense of how to use it, and, and uh, that they talked about the whole way home. They were fascinated by it. I, I, I thought about that, and I was like, I don't think I've ever had a meaningful conversation about electricity unless it goes off, and then I'm mad. And so, you, you know, that, but they talked about the whole way home, and they talked about how it's a, how it's a loop and they began to discuss ways uh, to use this current. And, and Morris figured out, like, like, you could break and start this current, and every time it came, a light could come on or a click could happen. And he, he, this is a way that we can communicate. The problem was uh, partially because electricity diminishes over, over distance, and so uh, he, would have to get, he would have to develop repeaters in order to carry it and, and refurbish it. But, but theoretically, you could talk to anyone, anywhere, as long as you had this, this connection. Well, how am I going to do that? So he had to develop um, shorthand and codes in order to do that. And he did. In fact, that's what we call Morris Code today. And, and, and in 1844, this is the probably the most influential patent in the history of America. This is the telegraph machine. 1844. This is patent 1647, and it is still today the most influential patent in American history. The reason is, is because America was now to be united by communication. He formed the Western Union Company, and he became famous in his own right. And we, you know, we hear of Morse code even today and how you can use that. Alexander Graham Bell added to this so that we could actually talk. But even before that, think about what he did. I mean, they, the, the railroads were coming at this point, and the, the telegraph lines would go right beside the railroad. And now all of a sudden, it would take, uh, when, when we elected a president in Washington, D.C., it would take California well over a month to get the news. If California had a tragedy and needed help, it would take them a month to communicate to Washington something bad has happened, we need help, and then a month for that help to come back. Now, all of a sudden, they could find out who won the, the election at the exact same time as anyone else. The communication came. My conjecture is, and my thought is, for many of us, is that we think God is like America before the telegraph. 
He, yeah, maybe he can speak, but it's long, it's hard, it's late, it's slow, it's never on time, those type of things. But I am here to tell you that God is like the telegraph. God is like the angel Gabriel. He wants to speak. He wants to be heard. He wants to instantaneously be known and communicated with. That's what Gabriel is doing in this time. And we can learn from not only what he said, but who he is, some of the attributes of the God that he represents. So three attributes I want us to look at in this communication that we see. Number one is this, God is powerful. God is powerful. Now this was the word that I struggled with the most because there was not a, a, a complete thought that I could find in one word of what I think this is showing us. But we see it in the angel Gabriel uh, in the start, and, and that he uh, talks to Zechariah, and he talks to Mary in the same way angels almost always start talking in the Bible, which is, do not be afraid. The reason is, is that angels are massive powerful beings that strike fear into people. They're powerful. They're big. They're, they're, you you, you kind of get away from them. Many times in the Bible, people tried to worship them. They were so big and powerful. They immediately said, stop, worship God alone. But they're big, powerful beings, and they represent God. God is powerful, powerful, powerful. But I, I have a little twist to it that I want to add to help you understand. He's so powerful, he has no constraints. God is so powerful, he has no constraints. You and I, when we see power of any type, even if it's uh, the biggest or the most power, it still has immense, immense constraints. Let me give you an example. So I follow up. Uh, just because of his proximity, I watch a lot of the news about Elon Musk. Uh, you, you know, I mean, he's in the news a lot these days. He bought, uh, you know, recently he did become the, the world's second richest man. He fell off the first position. So I always wonder, do you think he goes to his kids and goes, kids, we got to kind of scale it back. I, I, uh, I you, you know, I'm, a, I'm only the second richest man now. So, you, you know, but so, uh, but what's happened recently is kind of interesting. He bought Twitter for 42 or 44 million dollars of his own money. You, you know, <laughs> you're just like, well, I think I'll buy that. And so, so he did that and, and he's been spending a lot of time at the Twitter headquarters in San Francisco. The problem is, is that Tesla stock is not doing well right now. And the reason is, is that Tesla investors are afraid he's spending too much time with Twitter and not enough time with Tesla. And so, you know, whether it's true or not, that's the perception. And so the stock is going down. Why? Because the world's richest man cannot multiply time. He is constrained by time. So it doesn't matter if he wants to run Tesla and Twitter. People who understand business understand you can't give all of your attention or uh, sufficient attention to one when you're doing the other. But God's not that way. God is not constrained. God is not listening over here and you're, you're praying over here and he's like, hang on, hang on, hang on. I gotta fit. Yeah, yeah, or he's, he's not constrained in any way. God does not have, he doesn't have constraints of money. He has every—I mean, even the world's richest man at some point would run out of money, but not God. Even the world's richest man has time constraints. Here's, here's an interesting thought. I do this uh, from time to time. If you tell me 
uh, or you ask me to pray for you. Our, our, our staff saying is it's a sin to say, I'll pray for you. Because I don't want to go like, I'll pray for you someday. I want you to hear us praying for you. But if you tell me something that's happening in your life, I, I probably have, for some of you said, I will pray for that at that time. And I'll put a reminder in my phone, you know, Friday at nine o'clock, they're getting some important news. You know, the doctor's coming back with a biopsy or, or you've got an important meeting and I'm going to pray for that. And I do, I, I set aside, you know, that, that timer or that uh, reminder rings and I'm praying for you on the spot during the time where you're supposed to be getting the news or you're, the meeting is happening. From time to time, it really doesn't happen very often, but it has happened where something happens in that moment and I forgot to click the right button and, and it didn't go off or, or I was doing something else and I didn't see it till way later. But you know what I do? I stop. It might be four hours later and I stop and say, Lord, you know, this person had this meeting. This person had this biopsy, but you are not constrained by time. So I'm praying right now for an event that happened four hours ago. And I am praying right now that you will supernaturally heal their body, that you will give them uh, empowerment during this meeting, even though the moment has passed and the verdict has been done. Because God is outside of time, he's not constrained by time. And so you can pray these wonderful, powerful prayers in ways that God is not, oh, I don't have enough time, or that already passed, or, you know, this is too big, I can't handle it. God has no constraints in his magnificent power. He has not constrained by time, resources, natural laws. God is complete power. Number two, God is watching. God is watching. God tells Zechariah, he says, I have heard you in Elizabeth's prayer. God tells Mary, greetings, favored one. He says, he's, he's, what he's saying, he's saying, I'm seeing what you're doing and I'm proud of you. I'm seeing your prayer requests and I'm listening. God is watching and listening for us. God is intimately concerned with our lives. Anything God wants to know. So if you, if you think about combining number two with God is watching and, and interested, and number one, that God is powerful, it ought to prompt us to not pay, pray puny prayers. Because God is, is watching and interested, and God is also powerful. Don't pray puny prayers. Don't pray, well, this is the best I can come up with. Don't pray, you know, like just kind of, kind of you know, fix it a little bit. God, erase, the, erase the, the thing. God, do something wonderful and new. One of the things um, I've discovered about myself over time that, that uh, I didn't know was we, we have a, a tool that we use at the church. And it rates your personality. It rates your per one of the parts of your personalities. Do you take information over here? You take information and you take it through your heart. So you feel everything. And then over here, you take information through your mind and you logically uh, go through everything. I am a 10. I am all the way over here on logic. And so, uh, so but despite that, I... And despite some, you know, misinterpretations from some of you over time, I do have a few feelings from time to time. <laughs> so, but here's what I've heard from people who take the information sometimes through their feelings. I've heard this a lot from some of you. And you say, you know what? I know God is watching, but I just don't feel it. I know God is concerned, but I just don't feel like he's really, I feel like, you know, this bad thing has happened and he's abandoned me. And he's not listening, and he's not responding, and he's not, you know, he's turned his back towards me. And I feel that way. You need to understand, 
Feelings follow faith. Write it down. Feelings follow faith. If you wait for your feelings to change, then you will continually and ever be waiting. If you will declare in faith what God says is true, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I hear your prayers. I am watching. I am listening. If you will declare to yourself in a, and to declare to a holy God, I believe you see me. I believe that you are here. I believe that you are working. I believe that you are mighty. I believe that you are going to take the sin away. I believe that you are going to restore the health. I believe these things. And guess what's going to happen over time? Your feelings will begin to follow the faith that you are proclaiming. But you got to proclaim the faith first. Feelings follow faith. If you feel a way and it is not a godly principle, like you feel like God has abandoned you, that's not true. He's watching. He's always watching. He's listening. He's always listening. And number three, God is involved. God is involved. So he's not just watching and it's like, whoo, they got, they got problems down there. Now, that's not what he's doing. <laughs> he's watching and he wants to be involved. Think about what he's doing. He's going to an old couple, Zachariah and Elizabeth, who are still in faith praying for a baby, and he's giving them a baby. The Bible says they are well past childbearing years. It makes an emphasis of they're not on the edge. They're okay. They're, they're not like a little—they're they're way, way, way past. And so—but uh, yet, he's still involved. He's involved in Mary's life. He's, he's working, in other words, in their life. That's what God does. He's involved uh, with their life. And so, uh, when we do this, it's really important. I think— I think we put these constraints on God and how he's involved, because I hear people say this all the time. You know, I'm praying for this, you know, like, like maybe I've got a health thing, but, but I know, you know, I've got this friend over there, and they've got cancer. So I know that's, you, you know, like, and we compare it like as if God's like got rank-ordered things that he accomplishes. So right now, God's like, okay, listen. I've got to spend a lot of time Russia and Ukraine are in a war, so it's going to take a lot of my time right now. And then uh, people in Africa, there's food shortages, and then there's, there's uh, dissension in the Middle East, and we just go down the list. And then by the time he gets to you, he's like, oh, who's got a stuffy nose? That's the way we think, right? You know, he's like, i got bigger problems than you right now. That's the way we think, because that's what we're saying, right? We're like, well, I know it's not cancer, or, you know, I'm having job problems, but my friend over here, you know, is has lost his job and doesn't have a job. Well, here's the deal. God is involved in your life, so write it down. If it's important to you, it's important to God. If it's important to you, it's important to God. Even if it's not as big of a problem as cancer or job, or it is important to God, and he wants to be involved in that situation. That's what Gabriel is telling him. He's like, I'm here. I'm, I'm working. We're doing stuff, man. We're, things are happening, and I want you to know that when God speaks, that's how God acts. God speaking the Word of God, that's action, because that's how He, he created the world out of, out of nothing, just by His words. When God says, I'm doing this, it's happening. It's not, you know, I'm going to try my best, or I promise, or, I'll, you know, I hope. When he says, you're going to have a baby, he, that's period. It, that's the way it is happening. Now, let me, let me share with you a story uh, from my life. 
I, I think illustrates this, this pretty well. So this is 20 years ago in Mel and I's first home. Um, not, not rental, like first place that we actually, you know, first home that we bought. And uh, there was one big tree in the backyard. And it was, it was beautiful, big uh, tree. And one, one year late spring, I'm looking around, I'm in the backyard, and I look up and that tree doesn't have a leaf on it. And I look around at the other trees that are, that are around, not in my lot, but close. And the same kind of tree, they have all of their leaves. And I'm, you know, I just kind of, at first I'm like, huh, you know, like late bloomer, right, whatever, you know. And I'm just, uh, that's weird. I mean, not a single leaf. And, and I watch for a couple of weeks and all of the trees have all of their leaves. And my tree has no leaves whatsoever. And I'm like, I think that tree, you know, I'm not an arborist, but that sucker might be dead. I mean, they're not a leaf on it. And I was like, you know, at first I'm like, oh, you know. And then, and then I was like, well, you know, I guess I, I never cut a tree down at this point. And I'm like, I can't start because it's so big. You know, you're going to have to cut it in stages. And there's no way I can, I can fell this tree the right way where it doesn't, you know, destroy our home or the fence. It's just, it's way too big in our backyard for me as an amateur. So I, I call a, a tree service to remove it. And uh, this is 20 years ago. We're newly married, kids, you know, all of those. And they're like, it's going to be $600. And I was like, what a coincidence. That's $590 more than we have. Uh, wow. You know, I was like, oh man, you know, so I'm sitting there and, and so I tell Mel, she's like, I was like, I was like, man, you know, what are we going to do? Like this tree is going to fall at some point and, and I, I can't, we can't afford it and I can't tr trim it. And so our first thought was something that we've done a lot. Our first thought was to pray for $600. We've, we've done that a ton. We've had God uh, send us anonymous uh, uh, money uh, in the mail. We've had people knock on our door and say, God told me to give you this money. We're like, well, come on in. I mean, that's a, you know, like we've had that quite a bit. And we were going to pray for that. And all of a sudden I told Mel, I said, I don't want to do that. We didn't have many trees in our, in our lot. And I was like, here's this big centerpiece tree that we actually, you know, kind of designed the, the house to look out the backyard and, it, you know, made sure the fence was behind it. And I was like, we're going to lose this tree. And I said, how about this? I was like, let's pray that God resurrect it. I was like, you know, I mean, like really and truly, let's pray. And, and if he doesn't, okay. But like, if he can resurrect Jesus, he can fix a tree. And I'm like, and, and we won't have to cut it, and we won't have to lose it. And we prayed over that tree, and we were sincere. We were like, God, we know, we believe in faith that you can, you can raise the dead so you can fix this tree. And we prayed in Jesus' name, amen. And over the next several weeks, leaves started sprouting until it was back to full. It was complete and total. I am not exaggerating in that story in the least. I, it was zero leaves to full leaves, and it's still there to this very day. Now, if you're one of those people who's like, I don't know what happened, just shut up, or I don't want to hear you, all right? Let me be real honest with you. There's always that guy. I want to believe that God did a miracle because that's what he did in my heart. I believe from that moment on, and it was, it was true and real in, in our heart. God gave us a miracle. It was amazing, but it was also this wonderful moment like 
God cares about the trees on our land. What kind of bothers me about that is I wonder if today, if I had a tree in my yard that died because I have the $600 or whatever it would cost if I'd even pray that. Kind of bothers me as I've thought about that story because now I can handle it myself, right? But I can't resurrect the tree. I could cut it down, but I can't resurrect it. God is powerful. God is watching and God is involved. But what is our response? What's interesting about, about both Zachariah and Mary is they both responded with the question, how? How? But Zachariah angers Gabriel angers him so much that Gabriel says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and he has spoken and said this will happen, and now you doubt. And so Zechariah is afflicted for the entire pregnancy of Elizabeth for nine months. He is mute. He is not allowed to speak a single word. God ties his tongue and will not allow him to speak. Only after John's arrival, and they're, gonna, they're trying to figure out what to name him, uh, does God— eventually loose his tongue that he writes his name is John and God looses his tongue and he finally worships. Why was God mad at Zechariah? But when uh, Mary said, how will this be? I'm a virgin. I'm going to have a baby, but I've never had sex. How, how can that happen? Well, it's not the question that bothers Gabriel. It's the faith. See, Zechariah says, how can I know? How can, God, can you give me a sign? And I always think that, you, that's basically, you know, like, can, can you give me some special sign? You know, like a baby in the womb. Can, yeah, I mean, that's, that's uh, it's ridiculous. It's going to happen and you're going to see it. How will I know? He's not responding in faith and saying, God has spoken and I believe. Mary is saying, I believe this is happening. What do you want me to do? You want Joseph and I to move our wedding day? Because we're, we're not going to uh, be together sexually until we're married. You know, what do I need to do to facilitate what God wants to do? I believe he's going to do it. How do you want me to do this? And God says, oh, no, 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 no. We're, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. So, so her response is how, but it's, it's in faith. She believes. So our response to God should always be this, faith, faith. We always start with faith. God is working. God is watching. God is going to do something amazing. I invite you right where you are. Let's bow our heads and let's pray in faith. So here's the deal. God has power that is unrestrained, unconstrained in any way. He can do anything he wants, however he wants, whenever he wants. God is powerful. And so in your life, declare God's power over it. Not just the problems, but the opportunities as well. God, you are powerful. Show your might. Show your glory. Sh brag about how amazing you are in this situation. Secondly, God is watching. Declare to him today, God, thank you that you would be concerned about me, that you would be watching and seeing me. And third, Thank you, Jesus, that you are involved. That you are a healer. That you are a fixer. 
that you can alleviate, that you can add to. Friends of mine in the first service came up to me and they said, five years ago, you told us what you told us this morning. And they reminded me that they came and uh, the woman had a, had a diagnosis of cancer and it was bad. And I said, look, this is not a time for puny prayers. We're going to pray big prayers. We're going to pray for complete healing. We're going to play for, I mean, like not just get through it, not just survive, but thrive. Because you have children that you want to see married off. You have a life that you want to enjoy with your husband. So we're going to pray big prayers. And they did. And we did that day and over that next season for her cancer. And she came today and just in the first service, she hugged me with tears in her eyes. I'm actually in her group, so I knew this. She said, I'm cancer free. And I've been that way for five years now. God has healed me. And God has a plan and a purpose for my life. Her daughter this year in 2023 will be getting married. She'll be there. Thank you, Jesus. That's not because it's her. It's because he's God. And he wants to do that in your life. He's looking. He's watching. He's involved. He's powerful. Jesus, we praise you today that no matter what we have, no matter what we need conquered, no matter what opportunities, God, you are there. And we praise you today for the story of Christmas that shows your remarkable uh, involvement in people's lives, your remarkable power. And we declare today, nothing will be impossible with God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and let's worship this wonderful God. That is who you are And you are here 
morning of worship. Let's go in that truth. Have faith in Jesus. We'll see you guys next time. Merry Christmas. Take care.